Today's scripture reading comes from the 8th century B.C. prophet Hosea. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call. But he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Edma? And how can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. We're starting a new sermon series. So I want to introduce you to someone. Actually, Jordan, if you can go two slides up. There we go. I want to introduce you to Rebecca Lee Crumpler. From the very beginning, caring for others was a part of Rebecca's life. She was raised in Pennsylvania by her aunt, who provided health care services to the people in her neighborhood. This passion for helping her community became her life's mission. She attended private school in Massachusetts and went on to work as a nurse for eight years. In 1860, she applied to an all-white medical school, the New England Female Medical College, a bold and risky move. She was not white, but she was accepted. Rebecca graduated in 1864, becoming the first African-American woman physician in the country. Out of more than 50,000 physicians in the United States at the time, only about 300 were women, and Rebecca was the only black woman. She began her practice in Boston, specializing in the care of women and children. But when the Civil War came to an end, she moved to Richmond, Virginia to work with the Freedmen's Bureau. The fallen Confederate South was extremely hostile to the newly freed slaves. So Rebecca worked with the Bureau to provide health care to them. Now Rebecca had been born free in Delaware, the state with the highest number of free blacks before the war. So she was new to the adversity and racism in the South. But she endured it for the sake of helping the poor and needy. Throughout her career, Rebecca had a particular passion for helping women and children. And in 1883, she published a two-part text entitled A Book of Medical Discourses. The first part focuses on care for infants and the second part on women's health, and it is possibly the first medical article published by a black woman. All of that is found in this book, 
Little Leaders, Bold Women in Black History, written by Vashti Harrison. And Reverend Jamie Lee and I thought that some of the stories from this book would be very appropriate to share this month during Black History Month. There are stories that you will hear of people that you might not have known ever about, but whose stories are worth knowing. In fact, some of these people might be considered prophets. Now, in ancient Judaism, prophets were chosen by God during usually a social or a political crisis, and they were meant to warn, critique, and guide Israel back into right relationship with God. Now, in the Old Testament, we have 15 prophets, and they are called the literary prophets because they wrote down their prophecies. But no doubt there were some that weren't able to write their prophecies down that we might never have heard of. Now, Hosea, who we're going to talk about today, is one of the 12 minor prophets. Likely the 12 minor prophets are called minor because unlike Isaiah or Daniel or Ezekiel, their books are pretty short. I guess, therefore, minor. And while Hosea's message might not be a unique one, this message that Israel has turned from God, they've been unfaithful, and that God still loves them no matter what, Hosea has a very interesting way of sharing this message. You see, Hosea, who is a resident of northern Israel, is married to a woman named Gomer. But as we learn in the book of Hosea, Gomer is an adulteress. And in Hosea chapter 1, it speaks of the, her children of unfaithfulness. And yet God still wants Homer to love Gomer. Chapter 2, verse 1, Hosea writes, The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. Now, I do want to make note here that in the book of Hosea, we really know nothing of Gomer other than what is said of her. And we never hear her voice or her understanding of what might be going on underneath the surface here. And feminist theologians find this very problematic. And so do I. As the scriptures often leave out the voices of women and children and slaves, they are just property and should do only as the owner should want. And so it's difficult to say what Gomer's reasons were for her actions. I just want to acknowledge that wholeheartedly. But I also don't want to get lost in that debate and miss the central theme here. One of God's love for a frail, messy, and frivolous people. The Israelites? Us? 
The New Interpreter's Bible says that the theme of Hosea is a strong testimony against the northern king kingdom because it had been unfaithful to its excuse me, covenant relationship with the Lord as demonstrated in its widespread corruption and moral life both publicly and privately. And it's really not difficult to draw that line between the Israelites, Gomer, and us. Right? But none of us want to stay in that place for too long to look at ourselves with disgust and contempt because we've been flighty and fickle and equate ourselves to some version of a flirty girl that just has no boundaries, no moral, no ethic compass to guide us through life. Except that to look at the story that way is just a little too simplistic. It's way too simplic. Oh, oh, obviously, that is not a simple word to say. It is way too simplistic a version of what it's like to be a person of faith, trying to navigate life and relationships and the world. Nothing is ever as black and white as you're bad, but God's good and loves you anyway. Now, the complexity of why the Israelites might have been unfaithful is not completely known to us, but we can guess some. Remember that when Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt, they went, wandered around for about 40 years, and then settled down in, do you remember where? Canaan. But guess what? There were already people there, the Canaanites. And the Canaanites had their own moral codes and their own religious ideas and their own gods, like Baal, the rain god. So after generations and generations of cohabiting with the Canaanites, the lines were real blurry around what to do when you need rain for crops. Pray to the Lord God or pray to the God that is exclusively in charge of storms. So this idea of the Israelites having other gods before Yahweh idolatry, it's just not a simple conversation. I think that we can look at our own lives and our own societies and with some distance, perhaps, can see pretty clearly when nationalism takes centrality over the worship of God and those things become conflated. It's murky there. Or maybe when money seems to be way more important than faithful living and there just starts to be this gooey middle. It is never as simple as get the vaccine or don't get the vaccine. It's so much deeper. The conversation includes questions of health and side effects and fear all of that play into these debates. Although you should get vaccinated. I just want to be clear. It's just that it's not always clear what path God would have you take. 
And looking back at Rebecca Lee Crumpler's life, I have to say she lived pretty faithfully. And one of the reasons I think that is because she sure didn't take the easy way. Applying for an all-white college when her skin was dark. Going up against a whole just sea of people that were probably hoping that she would fail. Moving from a place that at the time was, you know, pretty okay with her being a freed person. And then willingly moving to Richmond, Virginia to work with the Freedmen's Bureau where it was not the same at all. She deliberately put herself in a mission field that would be extremely difficult and even dangerous for the sake of the poor and needy. And that takes some sort of supernatural care for others. And that's kind of where Hosea keeps ending up in his prophecies. That no matter how hard, how heartbreaking, God continues to love Israel. It's not a safe love. It's not an easy love. But it is an undying and persevering love. And so to emulate our God would be to put love at the center of everything that we do even if we think, oh, well, that's not the best for me. Maybe it's the best for the larger world. It's not a safe thing to do to pick faithfulness to God. But we are always reminded that God's steadfast love endures forever. And that God's persevering love changes lives 